Hello, and welcome to Returning to Us, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to hack your brain, build and strengthen relationships, and to teach people how to recognize and neutralize their emotional states. I'll discuss emotional intelligence and regulation, how food and exercise impact the body and brain, and share lessons from my own lived experiences. I'm Lauren Spiegelmeyer, the founder of The Behavior Hub, which is an organization that works to reduce the stressors of raising and educating children through a brain and biology-based lens. In these episodes, I'll share stories and strategies from my own life, work, and research, answer listener questions, and wrap it up with a try-it-at-home tip. Decades worth of information in just minutes. You ready? All right. Today we are talking about food and the brain. This is one of my favorite areas and components of the behavior hub because food has such a huge impact on our ability to regulate moods and to be productive and to just function at our optimal level. So I want to start with, and I know you can't see me, but there's this awesome hand signal body thing from Jim Quick that I think is worth going through. So he does 10 brain foods, 10 foods that your brain really needs, and he relates them to parts of the body. I'm not going to go through all 10. I'm just going to go through the first five. So when you're going to the grocery store and you're shopping for yourself, your family, your kids, whoever, keep these five brain foods in mind. And here's a simple way to remember them. Parts of a body we're going to use, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and touch them. Head nose, mouth, ears, throat. Your head represents avocado. And it's like you're massaging that avocado into your scalp like conditioner. So the first brain food is avocado. Then you've got your nose, touch your nose. Out through your nose, shoot little blueberries. Next brain food, blueberries. In your mouth, you're eating broccoli and it gets stuck between your teeth. So you gotta touch your mouth, pretend there's broccoli stuck in your teeth. And you've got your ears and inside of your ears, you've got some earwax and you're getting those out with Q-tips. So the, the earwax is actually pure olive oil. We need those healthy fats, but make sure that it is pure and not blended. Same goes for coconut oil. All your oils try and stay as organic and close to pure non-blended as possible. And the last one is your throat. It's like there's an Adam's apple there and it's an egg. So you've got avocados, blueberries, broccoli, olive oil, pure olive oil, and eggs. Five brain foods to try and incorporate into your diet as much as possible. But here's why I want to talk about this today, because I have experienced this this firsthand. As a child who was raised in a very challenging environment, with lots of stressors and lots of traumas and a very high ACEs score, I developed an autoimmune disorder at age 17, which paralyzed me from my neck through my spine into my hips. And it wouldn't usually last long. It would just be a couple of days of a flare up until I got into my mm, early twenties, maybe mid twenties. And I had a really bad flare up that lasted a week where I couldn't get up out of bed. I couldn't hinge because there was so much inflammation in my spine and my, my hips I couldn't bear the pain of like getting up out of bed. So at that point I decided whatever medical Western medical approaches I was taking, which were pills and shots and things like that, I was done doing because it it wasn't seeming to prevent 
the things from happening. And I knew it was only a bandaid. It was only reacting to the pain and trying to bring the inflammation back down instead of preventing the pain in the first place. So I started doing a lot of studying into how food impacts the brain and nervous system and inflammation. And what I learned is absolutely incredible. So I cut gluten out of my diet and more so wheat because the wheat strain in the US was modified around the 70s, I believe, genetically modified. And because of that, it's there's been a lot of research to show that that has been pretty detrimental to our systems. And that's why if you go to a place like Europe and they use an ancient wheat strain, someone who has a gluten intolerance may not have an intolerance to the gluten when they are abroad or in a place like Europe because it's a different wheat strain. So I can eat gluten in Europe and feel fine and come here and eat gluten. And because I haven't had it in such a long time, I immediately feel (laughs) just stomach It's not good. And I can feel the tightness and the tension right away in my spine and neck. So I cut gluten out. I also cut sugar out because sugar spikes your blood sugar and your moods are not stabilized. It can make you really tired. And just American diet has a lot of high processed, high sugar foods. Don't eat processed foods. And I also cut out a lot of dairy because dairy causes a lot of inflammation as well. And having cut out dairy and tried it for the first time in probably about a year, a couple weeks ago, tried some whole milk, wanted it in my coffee and uh, bought a quart of whole milk and instantly broke out everywhere. And there's nothing else I changed in my diet or my lifestyle that would have caused that skin irritation. So it's profound when you go a long time without eating these things, how much they're really you realize how much they're impacting your system. And the thing is our bodies are so used to having them and trying to break them down that our body becomes somewhat regulated to them. But that doesn't mean that it's necessarily helpful to our bodies or it doesn't mean it's um, okay that our bodies are starting to, to kind of regulate to them. It just means our bodies are constantly doing a lot of extra work. So for me, no wheat, no gluten, no processed, very low sugar, and um, I don't do any dyes or anything like that. I also um, would suggest getting getting your levels tested because seeing where your your blood sugar levels are, seeing um, even even there are food sensitivity tests to see if you have an intolerance to gluten or dairy. All of these things can be helpful in determining what to cut out or what to keep in. I mean, the best case scenario is the elimination diet. If you don't know what that is, it's basically cutting out a lot of things for a lot of days, usually I think like 21 days or more, and then slowly adding one food back at a time to see which one uh, is an irritation to your system. And the, the beauty of this is it doesn't mean you have to keep those things out forever. Once your gut biome and your bacteria gets back into order, then you can start maybe having those things again because your body won't be so working so hard against it. So give it time. And I know that the thought of cutting all these things out probably sounds really crazy to you and not like crazy to even your kids and your family and thinking about what would we eat? It was a process. It took me two to three years to cut all these things out. I started with gluten. It took me about two years to finally like get away from gluten. And then I started working on dairy. And in the process of that, sugars and dyes and processed foods came out. So what I would suggest is micro steps, micro doses of change, meaning you don't need to go from having sweets and sugars and dairy, all these things in your house to not having any of them. Just maybe reduce your intake of them, buy less of them and keep eating less sugars and less processed foods and less gluten until you are eating almost none of it.
But again, helpful to get levels tested to see and uh, food intolerance tests done to see what, what you actually have an intolerance to because everyone's bodies are different. Okay, so here's some things that we do need, uh, all of us, to function optimally. And we can kind of integrate these things without necessarily having tests done because we may all want to take the time or money or energy to go get tests done. So vitamin D. Vitamin D can be found in things like mushrooms and eggs and dairy and fatty fish, like salmon and tunas and trouts. And I will honestly say, um, growing up in the country, fishing for trout, used to eat trout a lot. Haven't eaten it in such a long time. And I started eating trout again. Fortunately, I'm not fishing for it, but (laughs) it is so good. Put a little bit of just like either butter or clarified butter called ghee on it. Throw some salt on there, maybe a little bit of garlic, toss it in the oven. So good. Throw some herbs on there too. We also need calcium and iron. And if we don't have calcium and iron or enough of it, we'll probably feel cold, maybe tired. I can hundred percent relate to this, especially as someone who cuts out a lot of dairy, almost all dairy. I do eat sheep's milk because it's a different enzyme. So my body can break it down better. So I definitely do eat sheep's milk. So a lot of manchego cheese. But you can get calcium uh, from yogurts and dairy. Uh, If you're not eating dairy like me, I will do coconut-based yogurts. I actually really like them a lot. Probiotics in them are really good for your gut biome. Um, But if you are lactose intolerant, you could do foods like almond or broccoli or tofu or kale. Even sesame seeds are good. And I think about some of these things. I'm like, oh, I wonder, you know, kids may not want to eat these things. How can you hide them? You can hide almonds. You can hide broccoli. You can hide kale all these things can be hidden sesame seeds, even too, like in smoothies or baking them into something where you don't always see them. So think about how can I integrate these things into my diet, my kid's diet, my family's diet without them necessarily seeing them if they're not going to want to eat them based on the, the, the way they look. And there are lots of resources online. Pinterest has, you know, you can find broccoli recipes or kale recipes or kale for kids. <laughs> And honestly, I would say kale is probably something I eat the most of. I take my kale, put some olive oil on it, just tear it off the stem. I put it in the oven at like 350, 400 degrees for about 10 minutes and it comes out as kale chips. Love that. Tastes so good. We also need some of those omega-3 fatty acids. So walnuts are a really great one. It's another one of Jim Quick's brain foods that we did not talk about, as is salmon, nuts, flax seeds, sardines, and eggs. I usually put flax in my oatmeal or I ground it up and use it for any baked goods or I even put it in smoothies. We need protein. And if you don't eat animal proteins, there are other things like cheeses and dairy and beans, even uh, nuts, possibly eggs. I don't eat a lot of meat, but I do eat a lot of fish. Um, and uh, I try and eat the cheese, the sheep's milk cheese as much as possible. But any animal proteins are good too, if that works for your diet. But making sure that we have enough protein because that's what stabilizes our energy for the day. We want to cut some sugars. So most commonly found place for sugars, candies, sweets, sports drinks, cookies, processed carbs, and kids' juices have so much sugar. So Again, not just taking all those things away, but can you water sports drinks and juices down? Can you do like 50-50 so it's not as much sugar? I will do that with a lot of the juices I buy, even as an adult. I know that the sugar levels are high, so I add about half and half of water and juice before I have it. 
And I try and find candy alternatives that are not so bad that don't have dyes or as much sugars. So if I do want something sweet, it's at least a better option. And there are plenty of those options, even in your standard grocery store in the organic aisle, or that usually right in the beginning of the grocery store, there's like one to three aisles of organic and dairy-free and stuff like that. But be careful because just because it is supposed to be organic or clean doesn't mean it's not processed and doesn't mean it's always healthy. So read the labels, make sure you can understand what ingredients are in those things. And if you're going to go snacks, I would say stick with things like popcorn, uh, carrots, dehydrated vegetables, veggie sticks, raisins, uh, even rice cakes. I know that rice cakes aren't maybe super appealing, but you can make them appealing by putting fun things on them. So I'll put peanut butter on them. I'll do some dark chocolate. Um, healthy, real energy bars or dried fruit, mixed nuts, again, that yogurt, fresh fruit even. These are all great options for snacks. And the other thing I would say is that crunchy, chewy things are de-stressing because of the way the jaw has to crunch on them. That's why sometimes we we go for those crunchy, chewy things like even potato chips, sometimes it's for the salt, but sometimes we'll go for it really unknowingly because of the crunch and the chew factor. So trying to integrate some crunchy, chewy snacks to reduce our stressors or our exposure to stress. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about food because that's a lot of stuff about food. But just again, as you listen, pull out little pieces that you can start to integrate into your life and your kids' lives. And it's not trying to change everything in an overhaul, but take some time to integrate micro pieces. It, again, took me three years to get stabilized with these things. And that takes us to today's listener question, which is coming from New Jersey. This person asked, what do you do when you have a child and the five needs areas overlap? So saying that they have multiple of the five need areas that they check yes for. And if you remember in a, a previous episode, we talked about the five needs areas, a physical need, so sleep, water, food, shelter, sensory integration need, uh, the need for relationship attachment, the need for self-regulation, and the need for control. So if they have multiple of those, which most kids do, then what I would do is I would think about, okay, which one is causing you the most stress or pain first and right now? And give your attention to that one initially. So maybe it's self-regulation or maybe it's control. Control is a big one. Let's say control. So I'm going to start putting things in place to address control first. Choices, fun jobs, opportunities, tasks, things like that. And then once I get that need somewhat under control, then I'll move to the next need area. So figure out which one you care about the most or which one's causing you the most pain first and address that one first. I also try and break everything down into micro changes, just like we talked about for the food. It's not making these big leaps to these new techniques, but how can I break them down so that we can do techniques for each area of need? So while I'm working on giving choices and control, I might also work on self-regulation by integrating a breathing technique every morning uh, at breakfast time. So just thinking about how can you break these things down so you meet all five needs areas and do so by micro steps. Okay. The last thing I would say is really track the changes and track which need areas you are addressing and what strategies you are using to meet those needs so that you know if there's progress being made and if you need to make shifts because something's not working, then we want to look at the data and we want to make shifts and changes to either modify it or put something new in place. So definitely track the changes to see which areas are getting better or worse and then move 
to the next neat area from there. All right, so to wrap up our show, we are going to share with you the try-it-at-home tip called the turtle pose. So the turtle pose is a muscle, progressive muscle relaxation technique, or what I like to call tense and release. So it's a matter of tensing up the muscles in one muscle group in your body, holding it really tight for 10 seconds and letting go. This one is called the turtle because you're going to take your shoulders and squeeze them really tight up by your ears. So pick your shoulders up, take them up to your ears, squeeze really tight, really put a lot of tension and pressure in your back and shoulder muscles and hold it 10 seconds and then slowly let go. Why are we doing this? Because it releases the tension and the tightness in your back and shoulders. And when we work to reduce some of that tension and tightness that we're feeling from our stressors, it helps release all these calming endorphins in our system and it helps our nervous system get back to neutral. So super easy, really fun. You can let kids name it. You can go with the turtle pose. You can call it whatever you want as long as you are holding that area really tight for 10 seconds and then slowly letting it go. All right, that's it for today's episode of Returning to Us podcast. And remember our try it at home tip, which was the turtle pose. And if you would like me to answer one of your questions on a future show, feel free to email me at podcast at thebehaviorhub.com. 